welcome to Misunderstood, a podcast dedicated to better understanding MS and learning to live well with MS. I'm your host, Katie Sloan. Our usual reminders as we begin. I am not an expert. I'm just a person like you living with MS and trying to make the best of it. Misunderstood is based on my personal experience, what I've learned from my doctors, other care providers, and my own solutions-oriented research and pattern-finding obsession. While the majority of the information I share has been vetted by doctors, I am not a doctor. My intention is that you use the information shared here as a springboard for discussion between you and your doctor regarding your future care options. And lastly, MS impacts each of us uniquely. I hope to shine a light on a wide range of approaches and strategies for living better with MS. But what you choose to do with that information is always your choice. And what works for one may not work for all. In our previous episode, we had two incredible guests, poet Robbie Gillette and painter Adam St. George. I hope that you are inspired by them to find your own creative artistic outlet to help transmute your MS pain into something magical for you and others. We had a great time together at the flock meeting last month. Today, with Earth Day just days away on the 22nd, I'd like to share about an upcoming opportunity for you to make some real planet-supporting changes in your own life this coming month when it comes to decluttering your space to achieve better health and overall peace of mind. What is the cost of clutter? And I'm talking about beyond the cost of each item. We'll explore that today, and for now, here are some questions to ask yourself about your own relationship with clutter and consumerism, as awareness is always the first step to solving any problem. Do you experience overwhelm? Do you have a hard time finding items when you need them? Have you ever had to purchase something again just to find the original item later? Do you struggle keeping horizontal spaces free of clutter? Do you have items with tags on them that you still have yet to use? Are you overwhelmed with the cleaning and organization of your home? Do you buy things just because they are on sale or a good deal? Do you keep things because you might use them one day, even though you've yet to do so? Do you have a hard time deciding what to wear since you have too many choices? Do you find yourself shopping for things that in reality you don't need? Do you find it difficult to navigate safely around your house because there's too much stuff? Or refrain from inviting people over because you are ashamed of the disorganized state of your home? Have you thought about how many items that you buy will take longer to decompose than your lifetime? Do you think about what will happen to your accumulated stuff at the end of your lifetime? And who might be responsible to clean out your home for you at that time? Do you often buy things just to make yourself happier or to keep up with the Joneses? Do you wish you could stop buying things but just can't seem to stop? Do you feel guilt or shame around some of the things you own but don't use or even like, especially if they were a gift? What other questions come to mind when you think about your personal relationship with clutter? Are you craving serenity in your home and in your mind? Would you like to simplify your life? If any of these questions pertain to you, listen in, and I hope you'll join us with our upcoming decluttering and buy nothing, or certainly less, challenge. 
My gratitude today is for three amazing people that focus on doing incredible work for our MS community. The first is Dr. Susan Peyrovi, whom I first met in 2016 while she was my physician at Stanford. Longtime listeners know that her health class helped me stabilize my MS at a time when I was having serious MS exacerbations in rapid succession. The second person I'm grateful to have on my MS care team is Coach Roberta. Coach Roberta is a certified health coach that works with Dr. Susan to guide participants through the True Medicine MS virtual health education programs and through her own coaching practice, Simple Life Health Coach. Roberta has a family member living with MS and has dedicated her professional career to working with the MS community to help us all better achieve our MS health goals. The third person I'm extremely grateful for is my fellow MS community member and MS health coach, Sanam, of Lalique Health and Wellness. Post-diagnosis, she learned how to better care for her own MS health needs, pivoted from a career in IT to become a certified health coach so she could help others in our community learn ways to live healthier, happier lives with MS. These three ladies are incredible humans who work tirelessly to achieve better health for themselves and for our shared MS community. While we do a lot to support each other's efforts and truly enjoy each other's company, starting next week, we are joining forces in a new way, live on Instagram and likely Facebook too, if we can get the tech up and running in the next few days, where we'll share some important ways to help our community better deal with clutter and the subsequent stress and overwhelm that comes with it. I'll post everyone's Instagram and Facebook info in the show notes for this episode so you can easily connect with us on social media and participate with us for this upcoming challenge and beyond. As longtime listeners know, I do a February clear every year as part of my spring cleaning. This year, Dr. Peyrovi and Coach Roberta did it with me, and many True Medicine MS participants did as well, making it more inspiring than ever. I got rid of 663 items this year in February alone, and it also made me realize that one month per year of dedicated decluttering is simply not enough. So, to continue this trend, since it helps all of us feel better and we're eager for more, we plan to go on Instagram weekly to help everyone, one, better understand the connection between clutter and poor health, two, learn effective clearing strategies, especially for those items where we might have a strong emotional connection, three, learn how to claim things we already have but aren't yet using, four, learn how to better organize our spaces, And five, engage together in a buy nothing challenge for the month of May, where we'll all try to buy nothing beyond true essentials. Through this process, each of us will gain powerful strategies, as well as important perspective on what it means to be a conscientious consumer, and how having less actually helps us to a place of better health and to enjoy life more. Dr. Susan and I met up last week to talk about the February Clear and the upcoming May Challenge. In a few minutes, we'll listen into our conversation. But before that, let's first start with some facts, since I'm a firm believer that awareness is the first step to change. Did you know that while severe hoarding impacts only about 6% of the United States population, 
54% of Americans report feeling completely overwhelmed by their clutter, with 78% saying they have no idea what to do about it. So it just keeps becoming a larger and larger problem over time, creating even more and more stress and overwhelm. A conservative 10% of us spend extra money each month on storage units, year after year, because we have outgrown the storage of our homes. In fact, 67% of self-storage renters live in single-family homes that have a garage, and 33% of those also have a basement. 25% of people whose homes have garages don't have any room to park their vehicles inside the garage. And did you know that there are more storage units in the United States than Starbucks and McDonald's combined? With the average yearly cost being well over $1,000 a year. Here's a few more stats that got my attention. The average home contains 300,000 items. 32% of women own more than 25 pairs of shoes. The average American throws away 81 pounds of clothing every year. On its own, the fashion industry contributes 10% of all human-created carbon emissions. As much as 80% of the items we keep are never used. Home organization products generate over $20 billion in retail sales each year, and we spend almost $3 billion per year to replace items we can't find and spend an average of two and a half days each year looking for those misplaced items. 78% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck, while the average American spends $18,000 each year on non-essential items. Our collective credit card debt is in the trillions. Whew, that's a lot to take in. And here's more. Women's stress levels are directly related to the amount of stuff in the home. Reducing clutter eliminates 40% of household tasks in the average home. People who live and work in less cluttered spaces are more productive, less distracted, and less irritable. And people who sleep in less cluttered rooms are less likely to have sleeping problems. Cluttered spaces are also correlated with the ability to maintain a healthy weight. Those of us with extremely cluttered homes are 77% more likely to also struggle with our weight. So, if this problem is so big in the United States, why are we struggling so much to do something about it? When asked as barriers, 33% report that they have a lack of the space they need, 27% struggle with finding the time, and 25% say they just have too much stuff to even know where to start. Clutter not only wastes our money, but also wastes our time and is detrimental to our health and the health of our planet. Often, when attempting to organize what we have, we spend even more money. So the best place to start is by decluttering and simultaneously becoming more conscientious consumers and bringing less into our homes in the first place. This also means living within our financial means, better understanding what we really need and what is extraneous. Closely examining our purchasing habits, such as paying attention to what we buy, what we actually use, and if the thrill of the impulse purchase actually creates any benefit in our lives. Most people make purchases because they want something. It's interesting, however, to look closely at where this desire originates. 
Is it from a need or a targeted advertisement shared with us based on our existing purchasing habits or social media presence? 52% of people say they purchase items to make them feel better. Interestingly, most acknowledge that the actual purchase doesn't usually accomplish an uptick in happiness. And a full 40% of purchases are rationalized because the item was simply advertised as on sale. Strategic markup is a thing, and being aware of this sales tactic is really important. In addition to paying attention to our consumer habits, it also means paying attention to the impact our habits have on our planet, our one and only home, that is caused by the sourcing of materials, the manufacturing process, the transportation involved, the marketing costs, and the physical sale and packaging or shipping waste of each and every item we purchase. As someone who continues to struggle with too much stuff and who somewhat recently inherited a bunch more, Better understanding these aspects has been instrumental in helping me find the inspiration and dedication to make real change over time. What's great is that you're not alone in this challenge. We are here to support, and it will actually be fun to do this together. Without further ado, let's listen in to my recent conversation about this topic with Dr. Susan Peyrovi. And while you listen, be thinking about how you might join us and do some real spring cleaning of your home and mind this year to positively impact your health and the health of your family. Okay, Katie, welcome back. It's so fun that we're getting together now to talk about Another important topic that we just talk about all the time amongst ourselves, but we want to share it with all of the people that we engage with. True. Thank you for having me. It's, it's great to be here. So you turned me on to the February clear. I had never heard of such a thing. And after doing it, I felt like not only was my house transformed, but my mindset was transformed. Tell us more about that. Absolutely. So the February clear, just real quickly in a nutshell, is day one, you get rid of one thing, day two, two things, day 22, 22 things. And if you go through the whole month like this, you get rid of over 400 items. And it's something I've done for a few years, and it's so much more fun to do with people. And in fact, this year, it was the most fun of all because we joined forces and had folks at True Medicine join along and people were posting pictures every day in the forums and just the momentum uh, really kept me going and inspired me in a new way. I think I got rid of 663 items in February and like you felt not only you know better um, physically in the environment but also mentally it just seeing clear spaces just really uh, created a sense of calm. So it's a really positive thing and I'm so glad we did it together. It's so rare to come across someone who doesn't have a lot of stuff and I work really hard at that, but I still have stuff to give up still. But when we live in a culture where consumerism is the way we get the economy going, it's how we entertain ourselves, it's how we fill the hole on the inside, with the things we buy from the outside. You know, it's no wonder that people don't even use their garages to park their cars anymore. They just, you know, um, I have to say, we at some point were um, storing three or four artificial Christmas trees. Uh, they were not mine, but they were someone else's. I won't say who, but like 
who needs four artificial Christmas trees, right? And so things, consumerism and this problem of buying things has gotten out of hand and it's impacting uh, the home environment and also our mental and emotional health. Absolutely. And I think this time of year is the perfect time when everybody's thinking about spring cleaning to kind of add this to the list. And, you know, in fact, the February Claire was so inspiring to me and a few of my friends that we're continuing it in April. And I think, you know, there's find your motivation, find your reason for a couple of my friends, they're having house guests at the end of the month and they haven't had guests in a long time and they they're kind of nervous about it. And it said, okay, well, get your whole family to start getting ready, you know, use that as kind of a goal. Um, and it's really exciting. So we're doing kind of what we did together in February where we're sending pictures. And again, it's just so motivating and fun when you do it together. Absolutely. And for people who didn't do the February clear with us, you could do this any month. It doesn't have to be February. So it's April. You can do, th do that starting this month. And we want to keep building on it because once you clear the house, the next step is to not bring more crap into the house. So how do you do that? And that's the focus of another challenge we're going to be doing to build on these, um, you know, mindset of just having less stuff and living to with, live with less and to declutter. So tell us about what we're going to do, Katie. We're going to do a no buy challenge in May, which is something very, very new to me, but it is something that you've done before. And so I'm really excited to hear from you today more about what that will look like. Yeah, I'll definitely uh, talk to you about my year of not buying things, which was transformative. But, you know, we want to today talk about how to keep our houses clutter free and how not to contribute to consumerism and how to create a healthy home. So, as always, any kind of shift starts with awareness, right? It does. And, you know, that's one of the things, the most important things I've learned from you over the years is just the interconnectedness and how everything, everything impacts our health. And we just, you know, it's so easy to lose sight of that. And so, you know, understanding how sleep is connected to my exercise and, you know, how all of that impacts my immune system and frankly, environment, all of the things I put in on and around my body really, really matter. And I can't tell you how many years I, I, I bought things that I thought were safe because they were advertised as such, you know, natural, for example. And, you know, I just think that there's so much more we could be doing to make our environments both within the home and beyond more healthy. So I'm really excited to kind of work with you on this, this next step. And can you kind of share with us a little bit about consumerism? and how that specifically negatively impacts our health? So when we buy something, there's always a process behind it, right? Like if you buy a hairbrush, that thing had to be made in a factory somewhere and then shipped over to you. But in that process, um, materials were released into the environment that were not natural. We call them pollutants or toxins, man-made toxins, right? And so the factory put all this stuff out because you needed a brand new hairbrush. And then in the process of transporting it over to you, there was more stuff released into the environment. And then you bring the brush into your house and you use it. And then, you know, there's always, as with any product, there's this concept of off-gassing where, you know, the material starts coming off of it. Like 
Have you ever smelled your shower curtain? Yeah, those are molecules coming off of the shower curtain that you can smell. And so there's that process of off-gassing. Now you're, you're putting this stuff into your home. And then when you're done with that um, hairbrush, what do you do? You throw it away, right? It goes to a landfill and it sits there for a really long time. Like how long do you think it takes for a hairbrush to decompose? I don't know the answer, but I would say uh, decades maybe, right? So think about every single person on the planet buying a hairbrush, but that's not all we buy, right? We buy so much. And so if you think about all of the stuff we're putting out into the planet, it's massive. And I'm not going to say that we need to all crawl into a cave and just stop using everything. Like that's not what the modern, modern world is, but we can be more mindful about picking and choosing what um, uh, processes we support, what things we bring our into our homes that we truly need and can't do without and what things we can let go of because the more mindful we are the better care we're taking of our planet and something i feel like get, that gets missed all the time is we talk a lot about human health but we forget to tie human health to environmental health we are one big ecosystem right and when there's trash and pollutants out in the environment gets into the air, into the water, into the soil where we grow our food. And when we consume foods that have toxins in them, when we breathe air that's polluted, when we drink water that is full of toxic chemicals, we now introduce all of those things from the environment into our bodies. So the health of humans and the planet are intricately connected. And we all have um, a role to play in keeping the environment healthy. Like you wouldn't trash your house, would you, Katie? No, although there are some areas that do need cleaning, but that's what this is all about, right? Yeah, so keeping the planet clean is really important. And so um, it's more than just um, choosing non-toxic products. It's choosing less products. Everything is a strain on the planet. And so being mindful about how we design our home spaces, our workplaces um, is, is really important because those are the spaces we interact with and they influence our health. Absolutely. And I'm so glad that you brought up that like hairbrush example, for for example, because, you know, I think a lot about seventh generation living, which is kind of what our planet will be like for seven generations from now. And, you know, that hairbrush, we, when you pose the question, how long will it take to decompose? I thought about that and certainly beyond my lifetime. And so if we think about how we're building up and building up all of this trash, like that's going to have a huge impact for our children's children and their children. So I'm so glad that you're bringing this to light and that we're going to actually do something about it together. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you cut down on consumerism. This, I don't know where this idea came from, but a couple of my high school students, not high school friends, and I kind of got the idea of like, let's not buy anything for a year. And at that time, I think I had a one or a two-year-old. So of course, you know, you need to buy things for your little one, but we limited it to the essentials. So if you needed a shirt for work, you could buy that. But if you just wanted a shirt for work, you could not buy that. You had to make do with what you had. And we did this for a year and it was actually really 
not as hard as I thought it would be. And what there were some really important lessons that I learned. First of all, I only wear 10% of my closet, right? And I bet other people do too. Like we have things that are hanging still with um, price tags on, or, you know, they just look better on the hanger than, you know, it's not the thing you're actually going to put on and go out. So what I realized was I actually don't need 90% of what's there. And to this day, I pride myself on the fact that I have a really small closet because I actually wear everything in my closet because it's tiny. Um, the other really important lesson was that there was no need to go to the mall anymore for entertainment. You know how you do that with your friends? You're like, oh, let's meet at the mall. Yeah, no, we didn't want to meet at the mall ever, like at all anymore. You know, the focus of our time spent together or entertainment became other things. It became, let's go for a hike. Let's go to the park. So the mall was not where we were going to go, even if it was just to eat something or go to the little dumpy playground for our kids, you know, the indoor playground they do, because inevitably you'll see something in a window and you'll go, oh, it's on sale. That would look so great in my closet, right? So so those are some of the main things I, I learned. And um, amazingly, a lot of that has stuck, actually. It really changed my relationship to this need to buy things. Because I have to say, I think a lot of us feel good for a short period of time when we buy something. You know, retail therapy is a real thing. That is, and you know, I'm so glad you mentioned that too, because so often we buy things because we think they're gonna make us feel better. And then they sit there like with the tag still on, right? And we don't actually use it. A good friend of mine who wrote The Mystic's Path um, talks about claiming and, you know, it's when you buy something or you bring something into your home, does it just sit there or do you actually claim it and use it? And, you know, a big example of this is gift certificates, um, or gifts that you get from other people, you know, are we using them? And so, you know, I'm thinking a lot about this as I continue my clearing process, what am I also claiming? Or if I'm not going to claim it, I'm going to get rid of it. And I'm certainly not going to purchase more of that coming up in our buy nothing month. So in that buy nothing month, we can really focus on claiming, right? And if you don't, then it's got to go. Um, and, and so maybe we could just find five or 10 things that we can apply that to. It's actually a huge start. And if you're not using it, if you get rid of it, like you'll just love your home space better because things will just look better, right? So there's so many solutions to buying less and contributing less to this process of manufacturing and the inevitable pollution that's on the other side of it. Uh, let, let's talk about some of those things. So uh, we, stay tuned. We will do another episode and we'll put more information out on social media about the um, um, Buy Nothing Challenge for a month that we're gonna do in May of this year. And, um, but in the meantime, let's talk about some other tactics so that we can all kind of get into the right mindset when May 1st rolls around. Sounds good. Sounds good. So we're, we're going to be looking around our homes for opportunities of things to get rid of. Um, we're going to be giving things away that we don't need. Let's also talk about repurposing. You had some really great ideas about repurposing items. Yeah. So glass jars that foods come in, some of them are actually really kind of pretty. So I keep them and we kind of like having a uh, eclectic mix of cups for drinking. So we do that. I use those jars and containers to store like knickknacks inside my drawers. Um, 
you know, Amazon boxes. Um, if they're small, I, I cut the tops off and stick them in a drawer. And now I have like a little space to put things in and things look so much tidier when there's like borders around it, like with a little box. And they're all, you know, the brown color. So they all kind of match. Um, what else? What else can we do? Um, I, I mean, I love just giving things away on buy nothing pages. You know, my my neighbors, it's it's a joy to give them things that I don't need. Um, and along with, you know, giving things away, I also think I want to learn more about buying things used. And I know you're kind of an expert on that. Can you tell us a little bit about some of your great experiences buying things used? Sure. You know, I used to buy a lot of things on Craigslist uh, because, you know, it, um, there, it was inexpensive and I was giving it new life and I wasn't contributing to that process of manufacturing. So for me, those were my values, right? And that's how I place value on an object, not because it's expensive or it's fancy, but because I saved it from going to the landfill. I have to say though, Craigslist has gotten a little expensive where you're like, I think I could just buy that new, you know, which would defeat the purpose. But um, but there are websites like Craigslist, like nextdoor.com is one that uh, we use. And we have our own neighborhood uh, website too, where people give a lot of things away to each other. But a couple of things to take um, into consideration when you buy used is make sure that it comes from a home that is smoke-free because when someone smokes in a home and that um, smoke deposits onto surfaces, it starts interacting with the maybe the glazing or the paint on something, and it actually creates a more toxic compound. We call that third-hand smoke, right? As if it wasn't bad enough, we had to deal with first and second-hand smoke. Now there's third-hand smoke. So buy it from a home that um, can tell you that they don't smoke in their home. And then again, look for things that are, you know, hopefully non-toxic, uh, you know, not a lot of artificial, you know, parts or components. Now it's hard to do, but you know, it, it, it's, um, it's something that I think about when I'm going to bring something into my home. Do I want to also bring those chemicals into my home? Really, really smart. One thing that I've been working on is buying less but higher quality. You know, money sometimes is tight, especially for those of us that are disability retired. And so it can be really tempting to buy a lot of things that are less expensive. And so really just this last six months or so, I've really tried to make that shift toward buying fewer things, but higher quality things that are going to last. So for example, this winter, I bought my first pairs of wool leggings and you know they're amazing and they're so skin friendly so for anyone who has any skin irritation they've been lovely and I thought before that I was allergic maybe to wool but that's just because I was using cheap wool so I've learned a lot about you know being healthy and and purchasing healthier clothing for myself by purchasing like going a little higher in the budget but buying less for sure. I have actually a great example too. I, I didn't know that running socks were a thing and it felt so ridiculous to pay like $15 for a pair of socks, but they are my luxury and they feel good every time I wear them. Uh, and I'm now a sock snob. Like I won't wear other socks because they're just not the same, but they're of also good quality. So they've lasted. And so if you think about it, you know, over the lifetime of that object, it's probably not as expensive if you're not having to replace it all the time. So it is definitely better to buy higher quality and buy less stuff. I think I recycle the same pair, four pairs of socks because, you know, you do laundry halfway through the week, right? It's all you need. You don't need a bunch of stuff. 
Yeah, like bed sheets um, too. I have really good quality organic um, linens, but I have one set. So I don't get to like take a sheet off, you know, take one set off and pull out the next one immediately. I got to wash it and put it right back on, but I'm just used to it. And I love sleeping on that one set that I have for every bed. Wow. Wow. That's inspiring. I have way too many. I think I'm going to go tackle the linen closet after this. <laughs> oh, what are for some sure. other solutions you'd like to share with us today? Um, you know, thinking about buying products that are more planet-friendly and non-toxic. One reason is because you don't want to expose yourself to those toxic materials, but you also don't want um, to get those uh, toxins out into the environment. So for example, buying shampoo. Uh, you actually turned me on to shampoo bars where there is no plastic to throw away when it's um, done. So I find that like a win-win situation. And I also think about exam another example would be like the soap we use, right? If it's toxic, it's one thing if it's gonna get on your body and into your body and, and, and you know get the toxins in you. But when that soap goes down the drain, do we have a right to put toxic chemicals down our drains because we chose to use, you know, one of the uh, soaps you see advertised on TV, or, or I don't know if people watch TV still, I don't, but, <laughs> but, you know, thinking about what, what is the downstream effect of me using this product? Am I putting toxic materials into the planet? And then one other thing that actually um, I started think, thinking a lot about is clothing. We don't usually think about clothing as being toxic, but I came across an article talking about PFOAs, which are those um, forever chemicals. A lot of them are these like non-stick water repellent type materials that are found in Gore-Tex, Stain Master, the spray you put on your shoes to make them waterproof. But guess what else? Yoga clothes. This broke my heart because I love my tight, you know, yoga pants that like suck everything in. And I'm like, oh, you know, it's so much better now. Right. But it, you know, all of that comes at a cost. You, that material is not natural and you're putting it right on your body. So I am in this major dilemma right now of like, what do I do with all these yoga pants that I my like three pairs of yoga pants that I love. And let me tell you though, I do have a company that I like to buy clothes from. It's called wearpacked.com. And they have leggings and yoga pants that are organic cotton. So when we use organic cotton, we're not putting all kinds of chemicals into the environment when we're dealing with non-organic cotton. And they're not that much more expensive. And um, if you buy just a few pairs that you love, then that's all you need. For sure. For sure. I hope I didn't just ruin yoga attire for people. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't think you did, but you know, I've thought about that too. As a longtime backpacker, I had a lot of synthetic clothing. And you know, one thing I also heard is that it's it's a essentially a trap for mold and things like that too, because of the way the fibers are. It's really easy for there to be contaminants and all of that. And you know, as someone who had pretty major disruption and skin sensitivity for a long time after my MS diagnosis, you know, I had to make a real shift in my clothing. And in doing so, 
all of those irritating skin sensations I was having are all gone. So I just really want to let people know if you're listening today and you have that irritating skin that, you know, this kind of shift can actually really make a difference in your health and the health of our planet. So it's a real win-win. So I'm, thank you for bringing that up today. I think it's really important that we think about that. And, you know, as part of just trying to um, neutralize the stress we put on the planet when we buy things, I think it's actually really important to go out and do things for the environment where we're giving back. So, um, you know, doing a neighborhood cleanup, um, you know, we spend a lot of time in our neighborhood. We live at a place that's really beautiful, but unfortunately it's on the way to a landfill and people don't want to pay to dump. So they just dump it on our beautiful scenic highway. And so, you know, we kind of got fed up with it. So our neighbor and um, our family, we decided we were going to do a neighborhood cleanup. So we do this now three, four times a year. And it feels good to get that stuff off the road, off the side of the road. And, you know, it's amazing what people will dump the couches and half of a car. I mean, like we found all kinds of things down the, down the hill, but pulling those things out means that now those things won't decompose into these beautiful natural areas. And so it's our way of giving back for the stress that we put on the planet just by really existing, right? And using all of the resources of the planet. And um, there's so many wonderful ways of thinking about um, setting up an event that's zero waste. So we have an annual fair that happens here. So our family has become synonymous with trash and trash cleanup. So you know we always go in and um, try to help with making sure that at the end of the fair, there isn't a bunch of um, stuff that has to now go to a landfill. So we carefully choose what types of containers food will be served at during the fair. And then uh, me and my kids each stand at a trash station and we help sort. Some stuff goes into compost, the other stuff goes into recycle. Very few things go into um, the landfill box. So these are just ways that we can all start doing our part. I love that you mentioned that too. You know, I think so many people now order takeout so frequently and we maybe don't think about the packaging. Oftentimes I'm starting to see that there's options, you know, click this box if you don't want silverware or paper plates or things like that. And I, I think just the more that we each become aware and bring less into our lives and into our homes and the we'll have the less impact on the planet and it's going to be better for all of us. So I am super excited to do this in May. Is there anything else you want to share with people today before we go? I hope that you all join us on this um, uh, challenge of buying less. It's just a month. Just remember, I did it for a year. You could do a month. And you know what? You got to wrangle other people in to get them to do it. It's really fun. It's contagious uh, in a good way. And um, it'll just make your home feel good. And it's one more thing you're dropping into this big puzzle of helping um, yourself live better with MS. Our home environment matters and creating a healthy home is really important for not just our physical health, but our mental and emotional health. So I'm looking really forward to uh, doing this with everybody in May. Can't wait. I hope that by now we're all on the same page in understanding that clutter is a serious problem for many of us, and it can feel overwhelming to tackle alone. 
So together, starting next week, we will set goals, learn simple ways to declutter quickly and effectively, explore habit change to become more conscientious consumers, and learn to be more intentional with future purchases, all in a collective effort to move ourselves to a place of better health. I hope that by listening to this episode, we all, one, understand the connection between the negative health impacts of stress and overwhelm that come with having an excess of clutter, two, that we each strongly consider joining Dr. Susan, Coach Roberta, Sanam, and myself on Instagram and Facebook starting next week on Monday, April 24th at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern to work on clearing and becoming more conscientious consumers together. And three, that we also remember things are meant to be used while people are meant to be loved. By simplifying our lives, we can better focus on what truly matters most. Our next Misunderstood Flock meeting will be Saturday, May 6th. At our Flock meeting, we'll discuss this episode and other episodes released this month and spend time together celebrating recent wins and supporting one another with current hardships and our ongoing health goals. If you're not yet a flock member but would like to be, please join us. We are all people living with MS that meet via Zoom every month to support each other and continue our learning on episode topics. You can learn more and join us by visiting patreon.com slash msflock. As always, I encourage all listeners to reach out with MS-related questions, comments, future podcast topics, or guest ideas to our email. And lastly, remember... As we travel through life with MS, we're certain to hit some turbulence, but we'll get through it, especially if we're flying together, supporting one another and honking our encouragement. As always, thank you for listening. And until next time, be well.